Why, good morning. This morning I'm going to talk to you about, as you can see on the screen there, a believing attitude. Um, but a little bit more than this, that, it's, you see that little subtitle up there? It says, not only what, but how. Because if somebody, you think about it, if somebody says to you, what do you believe? Or, you know, if you said to somebody, let me say it another way. You know, if I said, ah, oh, I'm believing something, and they would say, ah, oh, what are you believing? But um, when you look at the life of Christ, and you look at our own life, it's actually what we do, or how something is done, or how something is said that communicates more about what you're actually believing than the words itself. You know, words are important, um, you know, of course we, we must have, but, but the how is very important. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of how in attitude, you know. And, you know, when you think about these things, there's believing and there's believing, you know. You know, I could say, oh yeah, I believe my car's going to start. In fact, most of us believe that when we get up after the service, we walk outside, our car will start. And that's why we get up and we go outside. If we believe that the car wasn't going to start because we knew something about it, then what we did would be different. We would, you know, ring the RACQ or, you know, go open the bonnet and investigate, you know, trying to find out why the car didn't start. Um, and so, you know... There's many examples or illustrations that you could use. You know, I, I believe that the lawn outside this building is going to continue to grow this week. And so that's the reason why I'll bring my lawnmower up, so that I can cut it. Um, and so you see there's... Just taking that illustration a little further, you know, that... But the attitude then comes in, okay, I believe it's going to happen, but then it says to, well, well, okay, in terms of my behaviour, how am I going to approach this? Am I going to be reluctant? Am I going to be feeling all obligated? Am I going to have this, oh, poor me, I've got to do this attitude in my heart? So can you see that in life, and therefore also in faith, there's how these things happen is very important. And um, for all of us, there's, there's this tension between what we believe. And, you know, and the place where this tension plays out is inside of our head, and this is where the battle occurs. And, um, and so we're going to talk about a believing attitude, um, but more than just, just you know, what we believe, but how we believe it. And, um, and this all then overflows into our behaviour. So this is a, a fairly long passage here in John 12, you know, verses 44 through 50. Um, I include it all just for the sake of context, but it's just the last two verses that I want to speak about mostly. So we'll read it together. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. 
So Jesus is saying that you believe in Jesus, well, you're also believing in the Father. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father has, has sent, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And um, those last two verses, there's a couple of very interesting things in there. Can you see there that I've highlighted it there? It's, you know, verse 49 and 50, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority. This is Jesus speaking. But the Father who sent me has, has himself given me a commandment. So Jesus has received a commandment from the Father. He's come into the earth. And then Jesus says, okay, the Father has commanded him what to say and what to speak. It's like, did Jesus just say the same thing twice? What to say and what to speak? And then the next verse, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. So there's eternal life in the commandment of the Father, what Jesus is speaking what I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And again, there's these two concepts that are at work. Saying and speaking. And again in the next verse, I say as the Father has told me to say it. There's another passage of scripture where Jesus says, you know, you know I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying and I say it the way that the Father wants me to say it. And so in the life of Jesus, and Jesus is our perfect example, how things are done is very important. It's not only the what, but it's also the how. And you can see that in Jesus' life, you know, he had responsibility for both. And he has communicated in both. When you go and have a look at the, the words, you know, in the original Greek behind what Jesus is saying here, you know, what I say and what to speak, it's, it's talking, you know, about something that's, that's specific, you know, you know, speak saying. And then what to speak has got this broader meaning with regard to conversation. You know, it brings into this, you know, idea of context and, and other such things. You know, so, so Jesus is, is saying something that is true, but he's saying it into a, into, into a place and in a way where it is received, where it makes a difference. Because you and I know that you can say things in a way and into a place where it makes absolutely no difference. That happens in families, it happens in workplaces, the way that we do things, the context into which things are spoken, is important. And Jesus understood, understands this. 
and he had responsibility and he was obedient in both of them and Jesus is our example we also have this same responsibility with regard to our attitude it's not only what it should be because you can have the correct attitude in terms of all your ducks you know lined up in the pond but do none of it just keep it to yourself and it's only understanding but when you look at the what you do look at the way you live your life well then you communicate something completely different it doesn't make any sense now this is another version you know it sort of demonstrates this this is a literal translation Young's literal slandrose says because I spake not from myself but the father who sent me he did give me a command that I might what I may say and what I may speak and so you know the when you look at the different translations these two concepts come up and they're very clear you can say something and speak something it's important otherwise it wouldn't be there so let's look a little bit more into this you know here we find in John chapter 1 verse 14 this is you know one of my favorite chapters in the Bible I have many but John chapter 1 is amazing and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us who is the word well that's Jesus the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's Jesus, the Word, coming from the Father, and what is he full of? He's full of two things. In this verse, full of grace and full of truth. Interestingly, grace is first and truth. So both things are present. Grace has to do with, well, of course, power, because that's the ability to actually do anything requires grace but grace also has these overlaying meanings with regard to you know that which is received not from our own merit but because of another you know kindness that we receive you know not getting what we deserve we're saved by grace because we didn't earn it we've received it freely because of what the Lord Jesus has done. And the, Jesus came full of grace. What he's offered to, to us doesn't require us to earn it, but rather to receive it from grace. But what do we receive? We're receiving truth. But you see here, there's these two concepts that are right there present in the life and in the ministry of Christ. Yes, truth is present, but also how the truth is delivered, how the truth is obtained is also present at the same time. And both are important. And the way we speak, the way we live, we have these two things that are both important at the same time. What we believe is important, but how we believe it in terms of our life and our lifestyle is also important. In verses 16 and 18 of, of John 1, it goes on and it says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only God who is at the Father's side. 
and he has made him known. You think about these things. You know, the law was given and there was a whole lot of truth. You know, it defined actually what sin was. You know, for for without the law, we wouldn't know what sin was. You know, that's one of the reasons that the law was given, was to codify sin. So that this is, this is bad, this is good. You know, even though it was already known because it was written into the heart of man in terms of we were creating God's conscience. In terms of the, the, the spiritual framework and the way that God constructed it, the law was necessary. Not only to demonstrate what sin was, but also to prove that sin was utterly sinful and that we as human beings were sinners because it didn't matter how hard we tried, we couldn't obey the law. It wasn't possible, not even one. Only the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. And so truth is important. But here we have Jesus coming, giving to us something else. It's a way. It's how to deal with sin. And we're dealt with sin not by the letter of the law, but by grace. And that grace, of course, leads us into truth in terms of attitude in both ways. Attitude is to what we believe and what our attitude is, but how it is delivered. And now I want to get really practical because this could you know, get a little bit deep and our, our thinking could... You know, become less productive because it becomes more theoretical. But in our own lives and in the life of a local congregation and in a community like Mount Morgan, these, this concept is very practical. Um, you know, what we believe, you know, the attitude that we carry is important, but how we carry it is also important. Um, and so these things mean that you know, there's, you know, there's a posture, things that, that are happen. You know. Like I, going back to that earlier illustration, you know, if I um, was to come up here on Thursday afternoon early dressed like this, you know, in my long sleeves, Sunday go-to-church type clothes, um, and somebody driving past looked at me, they would say, yeah, he's probably not going to mow the lawn. Um, because there's, there's a posture associated with doing things. And so let's play a game. There's some young people here. This guy here, look at him. There he is up on the screen, suit and tie, nice shiny shoes. You know, he's probably got a matching belt. What do you reckon he's going to do? You know, is he going to go unblock a drain? Right now, you know, what's he off to do? Give me some suggestions. He's probably off, he could be off to work. He's one of those inner city type dwellers that's off to his office block. Probably going to a conference. Yeah, he could be going to a conference. He's, he's all dressed up. He could be going to a wedding, yeah. <laughs> ah, that he could be. He could be, he could be on his way to the races, you know. He's on one of these little cobble streets. And, um, yeah. It's more a model suit for selling suits and clothes. Yeah, it's, 
It certainly is a, you know, a product placement, isn't it, that photo? A photo is a product placement to, to sell that particular garment, um, which I know where I got it from, and yeah, that's entirely true, yeah. And um, what about these guys? What do you, you know? Boys, what do you, what do you think they're about to do? Are they, are they gonna go to a wedding? Yeah, so they're like, and they're dressed in wetsuits, and they're running towards the water. So they they're not going to a wedding, and they're not going to a conference. It must be a race. Yeah, it could be a race. You know, they're actually in the race. Um, but as you can see, they they're dressed like that for a reason. Now all of this has a point, isn't it? This what about this guy? What's he doing? He's in work clothes, isn't he? Looks like he's that's right. That is the that's the cleanest work clothes, and he's even got that you know that three day growth on his on his chin. You know he hasn't shaved you know since since last Tuesday. Um, you know so he's he's got that worker type look, but just not the worker type grub grubbiness. Um, but the point of the of the picture, and the point of all these pictures, is that. In, the, in a practical way, we get dressed for a purpose. There's a reason why, there's a reason why. And the guy in the work clothes, you know, if he turned up, you know, at your front door with a, you know, a backhoe and a, a whole bunch of tools, then you would, ex you'd be thinking, oh, you know, something's going on, you know? And if, if it was your place and you didn't order a tradesman, you'd think, well, what are you doing here? If it was your tenant, you would be thinking, I wasn't told there was a tradesman coming. Um, the point is that you turn up with a posture for something to be done. And it overlaps. And this overlaps into, into life. What's this? Do you know what that is? Boys, what's that? House. Yeah, it's, yeah, well, it's a plan, isn't it? So it's a house plan, you know? And you can see, so what, what can you see with regard to that particular house plan? It's got, yeah, somebody, somebody did copy and paste and they didn't change, you know, bedroom two to bedroom three. So it's got bedroom one, bedroom two, bedroom two. So that's an oops moment on that particular one. Um, but even beyond that, you can see that it has the laundry in the garage. It's got a kitchen, an ensuite. So it's fairly standard, simple house design, isn't it? And so the point is that none, like, is there any tradesmen here apart from me? Or tradespersons? No? But all of you, even this, the youngest, you can see that that's a plan. You can see that's a plan. Which bedroom would be yours if you were going to live in that house, do you think? <laughs> yeah? Which one? I want a bedroom next to the study. Next, the bedroom next to the study. Yeah, that's... That, 
That would be a good bedroom, straight across the hallway into the bathroom and closest to the front, you know, to the kitchens, closest to the refrigerator for snacks. Yeah, so that, you know, that would be, that would probably be if I wasn't the mum and dad who would go into the bedroom one. Anyway, I'm rambling. But the point is that the youngest person in the room can see and make sense of that particular house plan. And did you know that very often our attitude towards prayer, you know, all of us are equipped to understand what's required with regard to our Christian walk and prayer in particular. At that most basic level, all of us can see something from the scriptures or hear something preached or look at a circumstance in life and we can look at it and go, oh yeah, that needs prayer. Oh, I could pray about that. Or somebody says something and you go, oh yeah, I can see that. Might not be a house, could be a, a need in a town or a need in your own in in somebody that you know's life, a need in your congregation. And we can look at it and at that most basic level we can go, oh yeah, I believe. Hmm. And so you can pray at that most basic level. And that's a valuable prayer. And it's important. But guess what? There's more. If you give this plan to me, I'm, like I'm a plumber, I look at that plan in all the ways that people who are not tradesmen look at it, but a little bit more. I look at that plan and I see, oh, there's a kitchen sink and there's thing, and I'll think, oh, I wonder which way where the, connect, the council jump up, you know, the sewage connection point is. And I'll think, I wonder where the water supply is coming from. And then in my head I can imagine and I can actually plan where all the pipes will go, what size they will be, you know, how much fall I know I need for the water to run downhill in the pipes so that it will drain away. For the water supply I know what size and I think I wonder what type of hot water unit the owners are going to choose. Oh where could I put that? And I think, oh yeah, I'll put it between the kitchen and the ensuite to, you know, make it so you don't waste so much hot water and it reduces the amount of time for the hot water to arrive at the tap. Can you see the point is, as a tradesman, as a plumber, I look at that plan, I see more. If you give this plan to a carpenter, a builder, he'll look at it and he'll go, oh yeah, I'll probably need, you know, 15 kilonewton tie down on this thing and a 21 newton kilonewton tie down over there and... There's no valleys, no hips, there won't be any girder trusses. And then you'll think, he'll think on the end, I think, ah, oh, I wonder if it's a hip roof or a, or a gable end roof. And he'll be looking for the other pages of the plan to see if it's a, what type of roof design. The point of the illustration is that as you become more equipped, you learn more things, like as a tradesman does, you look at things a little bit more but your attitude changes with regard to the look at it and you're more equipped to actually pray. To do the job, I'm equipped to do the plumbing, carpenter's equipped to do the building type work, electrician will do electrical type work and they all look at the plan in different ways and apply different skill sets, different gifts. But those skill sets and gifts grow over time. Prayer is very similar in this practical way. Is that as you pour yourself into it, you expose yourself to the reading of the word, you actually begin to look at a plan or to look at a circumstance and you go, 
And it becomes more than just lines on paper, more than just bedrooms and bathrooms. You actually begin to look into it and go, ah, I can see what needs to be done. And you can understand. And your prayers become more informed. But guess what? There's even more. In a trade environment, and in a, someone who wants to build a house, they get a house plan built, drawn up like that. Why do they get it drawn up? Why do you get a house plan drawn if you wanted to get one? Yeah, it's because you want to build a house, isn't it? You don't just get the plan because you like looking at plans. No, you have something that's actually real in mind. And so you go through the planning stages and you get the plan drawn up so that you can communicate what it is that you want to be built. And in many ways, prayer is very similar. The Lord shows us a picture and we grow in our ability to see and the Lord's communicating to us what it is that he wants built. He gives us skills and gifts and ability, the ability to believe it, but it changes from being just a plan. What happens with a plan on paper is it becomes an actual building site. You know, string lines are out, tools are taken out of the vehicle, materials delivered to site, trenches are dug, pipes put in the ground, actually becomes a practical reality. And guess what? Prayer becomes like that as well. This is even, this is even before you, you, you see physical things. In prayer, when you start to really get into it, your prayers, you, in the spirit, you can actually see things and call things that are not as if they are. And this is a wonderful thing. And that brings us all around to what I was starting about, starting talking about at the beginning, is a posture. Is it if in our life we only ever look at what is true, but we don't have the how attached, we don't have the grace attached, if, if our attitude in life is all just only theory, but no practice, then, well, it just stays lines on paper, even if you know how to do it. And if you are a carpenter or a plumber, I'm a plumber, when I turn up on site, it doesn't matter that I know how to do it unless I open the door of my vehicle and I take the tools out of my vehicle and I get the materials and I tell the excavator driver you know, where to start digging. And I make the phone call to get the sand delivered. Unless I actually start work, nothing happens. You can have a whole crew turn up on site and park out the front and look at the job site. And unless they do the work, nothing happens. And this is where the how comes in. This is where you have these two things that are true at the same time and both are important. You've got to know what to do the truth is very, very important. Otherwise you build the wrong thing and you build it in the wrong place. 
That's actually happened. You know, people turn up and build the house on the wrong block of land. It's happened. I've been involved in a project that was house similar to this that was put on a block of land, but it was the wrong way around. It actually happened. You know, you turn up at a big rural block, you look at the thing and you think, oh, which way does it go? Unless you're told, unless you've got some truth to rely on, some point of truth, you can easily make a mistake like that. And so truth is important. But truth alone doesn't get the job done. And so our attitude in life is very important. But what I want you to be encouraged by is how, these, how you can grow. Your pr- how you can grow. The truck went by. I want you to be encouraged in your prayer life that you can go from a place of just looking at lines on paper to in prayer actually putting things in the ground, building walls. In your prayers, you're actually like physically seeing bricks laid. You're actually building something, even though you don't see it physically. But your attitude shifts, your faith grows, and these things are actually happening in the spiritual realm. And then that then flows into your attitude, into how you actually live your life. That flows into what happens when you come and what drives you to come to a midweek prayer meeting. The, what gets you out of bed, you know, to turn up to that 6am Zoom prayer meeting. Because your attitude has a posture. The way you live your life has a posture. And the reality is, just like that guy dressed up in the suit, you're pretty sure that guy dressed up in the suit was not about to go and lay bricks on a job site. Because the way you live your life, the way you present yourself has a posture. And in the household of God, you turn up dressed and with a posture for what it is that the Lord wants you to do. And so this overflows into our prayers. It overflows into our fellowship. But this has a direct application here into Mount Morgan. And I've been challenged by it. You know, personally challenged by it. Because you turn up in Mount Morgan and you can have a posture. You know, I don't want to stand on anybody's toes. I don't want to create too many waves. And you thought... I just want to put, those, put these things... See, I'm preaching to myself now. I put these things before the Lord. When we first come up here, Rosalind and I, you know, to, to lead this fellowship, I didn't want just to have a meeting on a Sunday, you know, to, like, babysit a meeting, you know, come up once a week and then head back down again. Because I knew that wouldn't work. It wouldn't change the town. And so the posture that I put on was, okay, I wanted to be in the schools. So I went into the RI lessons and I went to, did boxing in the high school. And I knew we had to have a life in the church, so we started a midweek prayer meeting because unless we pray, well, nothing will change. And, you know, I, we shifted the meeting 
you know, back to Sunday morning, which in terms of a community, that's where the expectation would be, where churches would meet on Sunday morning. All this is, is posture. It's posturing in a context to try and make a difference. Of course, I must believe the truth. And then the next thing that we did, and I thank God for it, is looking for agreement. And I thank God that we have a pray with another fellowship in town every week. Cameron, the leader of the other you know, church, every week we pray with him. These are really important things, but there's more. And my challenge to all of us is there is more. We, need to, we do need to go to the Lord, quieten ourselves and say, well, Lord, what am I dressed for? How, do, how is it that I turn up? You know, do I turn up, you know, in a suit when, you know, if I turn up in a suit, what I'm actually communicating is that I'm not interested in laying bricks. You know? Or is it, you know, that I, that I only ever turn up in work clothes and I never ever have the attitude where you know, I'm actually meant to, you know, to be involved and think strategically and pray strategically. You know, to, to seek and understand the truth rather than just be, you know, the one that, you know, lugs the load. Because the point is that all of us in our lives have both of these things that are important. Truth and Grace our attitude and how we posture ourselves to present that attitude. We all know from the most basic example is, you know, you can, you can say to your dog, you know, go away, go away, Here, go away dog, go away. And what does the dog hear? He hears a tone of voice and the dog will come to you. You can go, come here. And the dog won't come because it hears your posture and your tone of voice. Understand that life and ministry, both of those things are important. What you say is important, but how you say it is equally important, possibly more. And when we come up, we present ourselves into the life of a church, how we carry ourselves. You know, putting on our clothes for prayer. Putting on our clothes for fellowship. Posturing ourselves for those things is important. And for us here in Mount Morgan, the same thing is true. You know, I, I'm, this, I'm very challenged by this. You know, how do I posture myself to offer something that's valuable to this town so that hearts will turn? That that's something that I put before the Lord. And I thank God that we're starting to make good progress with regard to agreement. You know, this Cameron and myself praying together. Mark often comes. It's wonderful, the progress that's being made, you know, to have this agreement. But also down into Rockhampton, agreement's very powerful because agreement is also an attitude. You can be a disagreeable person. What happens when a disagreeable person turns up, you know, into a crowd or in a committee? Well, the, the, you know, the profitability or the, you know, the actual ability of that 
particular group to perform goes downhill because of their disagreement. I thank God for agreement. But this again is where the truth is necessary. So Father, Lord, give to us the ability to take this on, these attitudes on. And Lord Jesus, just as you, Lord, you said things, the way, what you said and the way you said it, in your heart you understood and you were obedient in both. And I guess that's the point of this whole message is that, Lord, we need to be obedient in both. Not only in what we believe, but Lord, how that overflows into our posture in life, into our attitudes, the way we speak, the context in, into which we speak it, the reason why we speak it. Lord, give to us truth, give to us grace. And Lord, the truth is, of course, that you are both of those things. You are gracious and you are the word you are truth you are wisdom you are life the lord just like i don't like cucumber lord the flesh we have with us lord would you continue this good work in our hearts to make us become more like jesus so that we would like the things that you like the Bible says, you say in your word to find out what pleases the Lord. And Lord, we ought to value it. Lord, when we want to look for something, it means that we value it. We don't bother looking for things we don't care about. We lose the keys, we want it so we can start our car and go somewhere. Lord, would you teach us these ways with regard to the life that we lead for you? Holy Spirit, we need your help. Lord, I lift up this prayer for Mount Morgan, or for myself, but Lord, also for, for others who serve in this community. Lord, in, into the schools, Lord, into other congregations. Lord, would your grace be upon your, Lord, upon us. Lord, to position ourselves, to, to posture ourselves, Lord, in a way that would, Lord, make a difference. The way that we minister, well, we need wisdom. Father, I ask you for strategies. I ask you for understanding. And I ask you for the heart, your heart in us more and more, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.